Still missing a few folks. Wait a minute. So here we are again. Um, you know, as we've said now several times, we, we titled the retreat Waking Up Together. And I, of course, always ask the question, well, how could it be otherwise? You know? But um, sometimes our practice hasn't or- oriented that way, you know? Um, and so it can feel like a, some kind of important shift for us to think in that way. Um, Vinny said at the first night, you know, that our hope in this retreat is that we'll take the lessons that are, we've, we've gathered here on our cushions and chairs and, and carry them into the world in some um, useful way. Um, maybe we'll do it as, as an act of service or maybe we'll find ourselves caring for uh, our mother or maybe we'll stand up against injustice or we'll protect our planet or we'll um, try and do whatever it is we do for a living in a more engaged way. Um, so in order to do that and to begin to make this turn um, to, to this being a slightly different way of conducting a retreat, we need to begin with what's essential, in a way. And, and uh, embodied presence is essential. It's essential for our individual waking up, even though that's a kind of misnomer. And it's essential for compassionate and skillful action in the world. I, I love what Pam said, you know, the very first night when she said that... Um, she asked us those questions like, what did it take to get here? And what do you have to let go of to arrive? Maybe you're still doing that. Yeah. And then she said this beautiful thing about um, when the listening to remind us to hold on to ourselves. You know, and that feels like embodiment to me, to hold on to ourselves. So embodiment, which is what we want to sort of look at this morning, is, is the willingness to listen, we could say, to the body's sense, to its cues, to, to its senses, to its cues, um, and, and to see how the mind can manifest through movement, through action, through um, physical expression in the world. So embodiment's essential to awakening. Um, uh, and so when we sit here, like, we do every, you know, several times a day. It's actually a really radical thing to do. The simplicity of sitting still is a radical way to organize our life, actually. Uh, through precise attention, we experience and we see more clearly. Um, we experience ourselves more immediately, right? And, and maybe we know ourselves in a more alive way. Um, and by investigating or inquiring into our way our minds and hearts and bodies work, um, we become more present. A presence can come up in, in the two ways. One is it can come up purely and immediately, we could say. And then, you know, um, 
we can be present through the memory of our past experiences um, and the other obscurations of the human condition. So one of the things we know, right, and we've been already talking about it, is when we pay really careful attention to the body, we know something directly and immediately. It's not like an afterthought. It's right here, right now. So we're learning to know the body not as a historical event or in a medical way or scientific way or through the concept of our body, but to know it immediately. Immediately. There's a, there's a beautiful practice that happens in, mostly in Thailand, but it happens in the Burmese tradition as well. And it's a young nun or a young monk you know, their heads are shaved, they're given novice robes. And in the forest hermitages, sometimes they're, they're, they say, go out into the, they, they put them out into the jungle, into the forest, and they say, they're given a simple instruction, sit here until you know you belong. Sit here until you know you belong. And I love that instruction, you know. Like, it feels like the only one we should give in a retreat like this. Sit until you know you belong. And the belonging isn't that you just belong to a monastic community or a group of other nuns, but that you see fundamentally that you belong. You know? And that takes us all the way down to knowing ourselves to be composed of the same elements that everything else is composed of. You know? Like I work with folks who are dying all the time, and one of the things I see in that process is how the physical elements dissolve one into another. And when we sit, we can know that directly too. So when you sit in the, in the, in the forest hermitage, when you sit, you get to know, oh, this is the earth element. This is um, the water element. This is the fire element. This is the air element. And each of those have a spectrum, we could say, of ways of expressing themselves. So the earth element, you know, is has this spectrum between hardness and softness, right? That's the earth element, muddy. When you walk up here on the hill some days, some days like today, it gets muddy, right? Other days it's hard as a rock. The water element feels, is this, has this spectrum of between fluidity and cohesiveness. The air element has this spectrum between stillness and motion. And the fire element, of course, has this um, spectrum between coolness and heat. And these elements aren't just physical properties of the body. We can see them in our minds and hearts, too, right? Like, you know how hard-headed you can be sometimes? Right? How stubborn we can be? Like, um, we know how the water element can show itself as frozen, right? We can just be frozen in our minds and hearts. So we can know these elements, these various qualities, both as physical properties, not only of us, but of everything. And also we can know them in the heart and mind, like how they show up in the heart and mind. That's a way of directly and immediately knowing our experience. It's one way that we start to feel ourselves embodied, but also it's a way that we start to feel ourselves as inseparable, interconnected with everything else. Because everything is made this way. So to awaken, we have to plant ourselves right here on this earth. 
But we have this really strong conditioning to not do that. And so we have to recognize that. There was a question that came up earlier about, uh, you know, I have this tendency to want to do this or that, right? So we, we, often we think we have two options. We can express or we can repress. That's what we think we got. But there's a third option, and that's contain. And containment isn't repression, it's holding, we could say. And so when there's embodiment, there's a capacity to hold our experience in order to know it, in order to really become deeply intimate with it and familiar with it. But, you know, most of us didn't get that training. Most of us got the training to do express or repress. We have this really strange relationship with our bodies, most of us. You know, and, and no wonder. I mean, we anesthetize birth, we mess with people when they're dying, you know. Uh, we have this culture that's, you know, values youth. We put grief on a timetable, you know. We're embarrassed about our aging, you know. Um, we see life as a problem to be solved instead of something that gets, we live into. Tara Brock, our friend Tara Brock, she has a really great story. She says, there's this first grade teacher, right? First grade teacher says to the kids in her class, if you have to, if any of you need to go to the bathroom, raise your hand with two fingers. And this little kid in the back of the room says, how will that help? <laughs> Embodiment. You know, we have this common misunderstanding that if we, if we wake up, you know, our meditation practice is somehow about some transcendent state, you know. But, you know, when we're meditating, it's really important that we sense the body all the time. To be really in direct contact with its movements and its sensations. To include everything, the numbness and the, the dullness and the tensions and all of that, right? To ground your awareness so that all this can show itself. Because when this awakening, whatever, the, whatever that is, when this happens, it's not going to happen above your head. It's going to happen in your body. Yeah. So we need to know the body and live in the body, be, be at home in the body, no matter how it is. John O'Donohue, that really crazy wild Irish poet and ex-priest and died a few years ago, he said, we need to come home to the temple of our senses. Our bodies know that they belong. It's our minds that make us homeless. Hmm. And then he goes on to say, we rush through our days with so much stress and intensity as if we were here to stay. And that the serious projects of the world depended only on us. He's pointing to two illusions there. Well, the first is the illusion of permanence, of immortality. Even though we all know we're going to die, we live with this fantasy. You know, we're studying constant change, right? Impermanence. Everything's coming and going, right? Seasons come and go. Relationships come and go. All of it comes and goes, except me. <laughs> right? I'm the one solid thing in the whole universe that doesn't change, right? 
Like everything else is coming and going except me. I'm going to stay the same. Thank you very much. And I'm just going to be this one person moving through a changing world. No, we are change. Nothing but change. What's it like to embody that? So we get seduced, you know, by the trance of believing that this moment's on its way to the next one. And uh, we don't appreciate the preciousness of this one. Waiting for the next moment to arrive, we miss this one. St. John of the Cross said, Tenderly I touch all things, knowing one day we will part. second illusion he's pointing to is that illusion, the unconscious illusion that we're somehow at the center of all this activity. <laughs> like those t-shirts, you know, I am here. These two preoccupations, they make us homeless, actually. So what's in between you and being at home in your body? Good question. What's in between you and being at home in your body? I mean, are you actually here with it now? Like, are you in your feet or do you just have feet? Do you live with them or are they just things that you use when you walk? <laughs> and are you uh, in your belly? Or do you just sort of know it vaguely that you have a belly? Or only when you have food? And are you really in your hands? Or do you just move them from a distance? And are you present in the cells that are inhabiting and filling your body, you know? If you aren't in your body, which is the case for me an awful lot of the time, what are you doing? Are you preparing to be in the body at some other time? Yeah, that's how I am sometimes. Yeah. So, so we want to visit with you about embodiment and, uh, and explore that a little bit as an essential, mm, the essential piece of not only our own practice and our own awakening, but also awakening, helping others, supporting others in their awakening, being in the world, and particularly being in the world in a way that's of service. Yeah. That's, our, that's what we want to chat about here. Yeah. So, um, you go for a while. <laughs> what, what do you know about, what do you, what do you want to say about this being embodied? It's a crazy question for me. <clears throat> and spoiler alert, <laughs> I haven't got this figured out. Huh. I'm still in this. Um, but by way of letting you know a little bit about me and this whole body thing, like I grew up, my whole life, I had a body that people felt like they could have an opinion about. Hmm. People could talk about, laugh about, tease about, advise me about. For some reason, because I was a larger girl, that was just okay. 
And what that meant to me was that I was never going to be good enough. I was not going to be what I was supposed to be in terms of my body. So I did what a lot of us do. It became about my brain and how smart I am and how funny I can be and how thoughtful I can be and how generous I can be, right? It's like, no, 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 don't look there. Everything's happening up here, right? <clears throat> and I'm not proud how old I was when I finally realized that wasn't enough. Um, you know, I was in a crazy relationship that lasted too long. I know you've had some of those. <laughs> and when I got out of that, there was like this, like, okay, what's really going on? Like, how do I own this system? I was working with young people. And I don't know if you've worked with young people, but if you come at them and you're not completely in here, they can smell it. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? They give you that, like... I hear what you're saying and what you're asking me to do, but something's incongruent, right? There's something off. So I did what it made sense to do after a breakup. I went to a therapist. And my therapist was like, well, you come across as very grounded and together, but you don't seem to be in your body. Of course I'm in my body, right? I dress it, I wash it, it takes me places, I feed it, you know, when things hurt, I take pills, of course I'm in here. But I've, it was one of the first times I got the sense of, like, that phrase, to be in your body. I didn't understand it first, so I thought it meant move slower, right? make more eye contact. Like I, I was looking at what people who were grounded were doing and I thought, I'll do that. So I sit and I, you know, but still not in there. And I sort of backed my way into um, mindfulness. I, I didn't walk in like a grown-up like you guys did. I was just like, well, I know some people who are doing mindfulness. Let me listen to them a little bit. Let me support some um, work. I did some work with mindful schools. Let me kind of soak in this kind of idea. And I got that feeling. I had a moment when I realized this is what it's like to be in here. To trust my body to give me information, not just about myself, but around, about the people around me. You know that moment when your stomach has a feeling and it means something, not just you're hungry? I had always put that stuff away. But I was starting to understand what it meant to own the entire system. And I'll be honest with you, I think it was one of the first times I ever felt like really free, like really comfortable moving through the world. Now I want to say to you, and ever since then, Right? Like, I want to end there, you know, and, and I want to say things that make you impressed by my movement. But if we're going to be honest, and if the whole idea of this, this retreat is to um, build community, 
then I'm going to be a little bit more honest than that. About four years ago, um, it became clear to me that my mom couldn't live alone anymore. And so I packed her up and I packed me up and I moved away from my community so that I could take care of her because I was going to be able to take care of my mom all by myself, right? I'm, I'm an only child, I'm a daughter, I'm going to do this. It didn't occur to me that as soon as we moved in together, I would become 17 years old again. <laughs> and that every triggering moment that I had had in my growing up years was right here. And to make matters worse, because she was dealing with Alzheimer's, because we are dealing with Alzheimer's, I watched this woman, who, my heart, and about the only family I have left, shift and change. And she, she started to get mean. And she started to call me names and she stopped knowing who I was. And the 17 year old in me just went back into my brain because I knew what I was supposed to do. I know what it means to be thoughtful. I knew I was supposed to be patient and kind and, and you know, planning and I had to get her to the doctor. Like I had this together. But something weird was happening in my body. Like there was tightness when I wanted to be free. There was, you know, a frustration. There was like this pushback. And there, it wasn't, I couldn't balance it. And so I started doing the things, greed, gluttony, um, to just numb out my body. And in a very short period of time, I had gained back all the weight I had lost. I'm not proud of that. That hurts my feelings to say out loud. My blood pressure shot through the roof. My joints, like everything started to hurt. You know, it was almost like my body was screaming, do something. And I was just like, I'll just take pills and everything's fine. And I wasn't with my friends anymore. I didn't have a group of people that pulled or desired or expected presence from me. I wasn't working with kids as much anymore. I became very solitary. But it was okay. You know, mom's okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. And then I come to, you know, this retreat. Actually, we start planning for this retreat and we start talking about this embodiment thing. And so you can't teach something you don't know. So I was like, well, let me see what's really going on. And I started sitting more and doing that kind of body sit, like just checking in with my body. And every time we've had a sit in this room and I do that, tears. Not boo-hooing, just, just tears down my face. And what I realize about that is, this doesn't feel like my body. This doesn't feel like the free body that I had when I was paying attention before. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's bigger, I don't want you to look at me like all of this shame stuff about body. It, you know, people are talking about that, um, trying to find a balance, like, how do you do this and that? It's like, how do I 
love my body when I'm uncomfortable in it? How do I trust my body to teach me about you or to help me connect to you if I don't feel comfortable in here? I'm a work in progress. I am feeling it. I, do, I am actually in my feet right now. Feels like a good thing. I'm working to get into my belly. It's taking a minute. <laughs> so for me, it's like, if I'm gonna keep being in the world, and if I'm gonna make a difference, let alone if I'm gonna keep loving the sweetest woman on the planet, I have to own the whole system again. I have to get back to that place of freedom. And so that's the trajectory you see me on this week. That's my truth. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Go. Just keep going. So, the goal of our coming together and our becoming connected is going to require some transparency, some vulnerability. Like right now, I want to beg all of you, don't, please don't tell anybody what you heard me say. So like, please, please, you know, that feeling. And so, mm -hmm. even before you share, I want to talk a little bit about like maybe how we can be with each other as we're sharing who we are. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Y'all with me? And I've done this a lot. Like I've talked to people and we've created norms and we've created agreements. But I want to push us another step because there's a way that I want to be in the world that I want to practice in this room, right? Because we're... I'm going to assume this is a safe place for me. And if I want the rest of the world, if I want to move into the world in a way that I feel safe, there are th some things I want to ask for from you, as well as the rest of the world, as well as from me. You with me still? I know I'm a little convoluted. So, and I'm going to ask you to chime in as well. So I want to start with, and, and I guess, so think about, how would you want people to be around you? How would you want people to be with you so you could feel safe enough to be who you really are? Just think about that. And the first thing I'm going to ask for and, and ask from myself is I want to be somebody that you could say anything to and not have to worry that I would tell it or talk about it or talk about you or... You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be somebody you can trust. And I'm going to ask the room, therefore, for us to do that for each other, to have confidentiality. And I'm not saying, you know, that kind of anonymous confidentiality where if I see you at the grocery store, it's like, no, I don't see you, okay. But the kind of confidentiality where not only am I going to tell your story because you got that covered, but that if I want to talk to you about your story, I ask permission first. Does that make sense? Because you may not want to talk about it, you know what I'm saying? Does anybody else have something that you want to put into the room? 
Yeah. Beautiful. I want that too. Yeah, I can. I will. I will. She said she wants people to listen to her when she speaks and help her feel so that she feels heard. Right? Not just you're waiting for her to talk, stop talking, but let's actually tune in to each other. Does that feel fair? Can we ask that from the group? Yeah. Does anybody else have something right here? All of our ice cream cones have melted. Thank you. If I share with you, so now I'm about to reinterpret. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. What I hear you saying is, Trust that the words I'm using are the words that I mean. You don't have to reinterpret it. You don't have to feed it back to me. And I certainly am not asking for advice. I just want to be listened to. Close? Okay. Does that feel fair to the room? Okay. We got a couple more. <laughs> oh, come on. Some of us have some hearing struggles, so it'll help us as a group. Okay. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm on this retreat is just trusting the wrong people. So I've made myself very vulnerable, transparent to people that I love and trust, and it wasn't good. So I'm not as open to being open because of that reason. So I've been through a lot of pain in my life, and... I don't trust. So, what are you asking us for? How do we um, how do we be with you? You know, complete strangers. I feel um, acquaintances are normally better. You know, when you are talking to about your life, but the people that are closest to you tend to hurt you the most. So, sharing would be, you know, something that I would be willing to do, but again, I just, it's hard to be transparent when you trust people and they, and they hurt you. Yeah. So. What I want to say to that, because I guess the, the ask from the group and the ask on the planet is for you to be able to take your time in being open and in sharing, for there not to be a lot of that. And what I want to ask from you is to trust your knowing. If you're feeling like this and transparent feels like this, don't do that. You know, if taking a risk is just this, just do that. If taking a risk is this, allow that. Like, walk it at your pace. Okay? And I'm going to invite everybody to do that. Walk it at your pace. Yeah, this is your party. This is your movie. Okay. Thank you for being honest like that. There's a hand over here. You okay. 
Um, for those of us that are work in progress, um, I'm trying to become a better listener and not administer advice because I'm a pretty good fixer. So be patient with us as well. So if we hear you, if you start to give us advice... Love what, feedback. Okay. What would you like us to say to you? Is it like Well, we, I'm hoping I'll... I'm working on catching myself. Okay. But um, I guess just patience. We're all on a path. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's be patient with each other as we're growing and learning. Fair? Yeah. Cool? All right. Let's get three more. Four more, eight more, 12. Where are we going? <laughs> She's got this one and then you. Okay. I have a question. Her first and then we'll go there. Okay. Um, I can cry um, pretty easily and really hard sometimes. And um, if you can just witness that and if there's something I need, you can ask me, do you need something from me? And I'm pretty good at knowing. Um, so I don't, I'll, I'll tell you if I want a hug. I'll tell you if I need Kleenex. Um, I'll tell you if, you if you could just put your hand on my foot, that might be enough. Or I might not need anything, but... Trust me, and I'll tell you, I promise. Beautiful. I love that. Everybody heard that? That's a great way to move through the world. Trust me to know what I need. I love it. Go ahead. I have a question building off of the, the question about how much of yourself to reveal if you're uncomfortable. What should we do about if we think that something we say might make other people uncomfortable? Like how... I love that. And I'm going to try not to talk for a really long time about it. Um, I'm looking through for the door. I want us, ideally, I would want you to speak your truth. And I would want the people who are uncomfortable with that to speak their truth. Like, I really want to get to a place where we're not going into corners to talk about things so that we're all, everything stays clean in here. I really want people to take the risk to be in community in this room. So my suggestion would be, you want to be thoughtful about how you phrase things, you know, or, you know, yeah, I'll leave that there. But my suggestion is tell the truth and be prepared for people to not all agree or to be all, not all be comfortable. The more honest we can be, the more we're gonna know who we are. And that's the bottom line for us to have a sense of in this, in this week, who's in the room here, who we are as a group, because that's where we learn. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't have controversial views. I just have uh, things that have happened in my life that might I don't know. I'm afraid to tell people about them because they might be unpleasant. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, me too. And, I, you know, I'm just going to, like, you know, do what makes sense to you, but I'm going to be the one that's like, let's go for it. Let's take the risk this time, and then we'll deal with what the fallout is as a group. Is that okay? Does that feel fair? 
Thank you. I've lost track. Thank you. Thank you. Waking up together. Um, I'm not really comfortable uh, usually speaking in a group, and the fact that this group is huge kind of is uh, scary, but sometimes I surprise myself. Uh, at times, I can be very open, mm. uh, but if I seem tentative at times uh, and not saying a lot, it's maybe because for that topic or that moment, I just can't, but maybe later I might be more open. It just, openness in uh, speaking in a group is something that's not my natural thing to do. So I just wanted to share that. You just did that so good in this big group. Um, I will say thank you, and, and we will trust you to, you know, get in where you fit in. We'll just trust you to do that. Um, you should know that throughout the week, there will be times when we're in pairs, times when we're in like small groups, sometimes we'll be in larger groups. So there'll be a lot of different ways to get your voice in the room. Okay? Great, thanks. Thank you. I don't, I'm not watching time. Okay. Right here. Hi, would it be possible for you to just two minutes reframe uh, the frame of this uh, week, because I have the feeling that maybe I'm not alone, that has a really... I mean, I came because uh, I understood that we will speak a lot about our connection as human with the more than human beings. And maybe that was my... I mean, I'm not saying it's not okay, or I'm just wanting mm. to... Sorry. <laughs> I breathe. Nice job. Um, for me, it would be very nice to have, uh, what are we doing all that? I mean, you know, uh, what, what's the... What, what is what going is, on? What is your expectation of uh, the, the week and what is the work about? What is the... Because we, hear, we heard yesterday evening James speaking about friends. Today, uh, you, I don't know your name, sorry. Frank, about um, the poison and everything. And for me, for now, I'm not getting what we. I mean, I love. It's okay, but I'm not <laughs> getting what. Uh, yeah, what's what's my aim being here? Where are we headed? Thank you. I'm gonna let you take that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, know, you know how it is on a journey. Sometimes you head in one direction, but you you may wind up slightly different different place. Um, really. Again, the title, Waking Up Together. So, first of all, how can we live in our own lives with a tremendous amount of integrity with ourselves? How can we be honest with ourselves um, and then express that honesty and, and that integrity in the world? How can we do that? That's the first thing. And then when we do that, we, when we really look and see who we are, it's inevitable that we understand we're tangled up with everybody else. Right? We're tied up with everyone else. Um, and so we have to then learn to skillfully be in wise relationship with others. So we have to learn something about that. And then, you know, then how do we take both those things? How do we take my own individual exploration and my relational life with others? And how do we 
may offer that as a gift to the world. How do we offer that as a gift to the world? So then that might mean, what, how might that take expression in the world? For example, um, Pam's taking care of her mother, and she's doing challenge days and teaching kids in schools. You know, that's a way, all, all of us here are doing service in the world. And so we want to really encourage that active, active service in the world. We want to encourage our taking our practice uh, not only into our individual lives and the relational lives of people we're close to, but to the world at large. We want to help the world at large wake up. Now, that's a really big picture, isn't it? Save all beings. That's what I want to do. I want to save all beings. I want to liberate all beings. And um, I might not get it done in this lifetime. And I don't think I can do it alone. But that's, that's where my aim is. I want to liberate all beings. Yeah. Did that help? Yeah. In the back there, somebody's got a mic. Uh, two mics coming. We got dueling mics here. I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. Hello. Uh, something that occurred to me about uh, speaking, listening mindfully. Um, I feel like in dyads or, or groups, a lot of times I'll address the question and then I don't really have anything else to say, so it'll only take me like 30 seconds, right? Uh -huh. So I guess what I'm asking for or asking about is maybe permission to just not say anything and just sit there in silence because, you know, I also maybe in the real world I have a tendency to want to fill up silence and uh -huh. talk, right? And so I wonder if this would be a good opportunity sometimes to, if we're going to talk about something, just talk for a minute and then just, oh, well, maybe I don't have anything to say anymore, so we can just sit here. Maybe you don't have anything to say, so. Yeah. I, so I, I guess I'm inquiring just into what is intended as well as something I'm just thinking about. Yeah. I have no intention to police how long you talk about anything. I really want it to be your experience. So, absolutely. I mean, and you'll hear me say this even as I'm helping to run the groups or the dyads or whatever. It's like you don't have to say anything. You can speak for 30 seconds. Now, you, will, you might have two minutes. So, a minute and a half of that will sound like this. And that's okay. You know, I think that if we have a minute and a half of silence, let that be the worst thing that happens, you know? So I trust you to do what makes sense, and I say that to the room, you know? Share what you can, be as honest as you can. If you find yourself being quiet because you don't want to rock the boat or you don't want to, you know, I don't know, stir something up, check that out. Just check into that. But if it's really about I'm complete, let it be done. Yes. So I have a question or a comment based on a couple of different things that I've heard. This happens to me a lot in my regular life where I'll be on the listening end and I'll be listening and listening and then the person who is sharing will say something that's something big. And as the listener, sometimes I need a moment to just pause, like catch up with what they said, 
and so that I can be with the person I'm with as they go forward. So I think as, as, a, as the person listening, I ask for a moment, when, it, when it's something big, I'd be like, okay, let me just catch up, pause, and then that way I don't miss everything that's said after the big thing, whatever the big thing was. Yes. Brilliant. Absolutely. And so there's like two, I hear, I've got two requests in that. On the one hand, if we're the listener, to not be afraid to interrupt somebody, to not feel like we're stepping on their time because we have to say, hold on a minute, let me catch up to you. Or hold on a minute, I can't really hear you right now, let me take a second and come back. And I also ask the listeners to do that same thing, to be willing to take that break. So if you're the speaker, allow, allow a pause. We will always come back to you, but sometimes we need a pause to take it in as the listener be willing to ask for the pause. Fair? Okay, you're getting quiet on me. Did y'all go to sleep? You with me? Just nod so I know you're out there. Okay, thank you. Let's just take a couple more of these. Uh, I, I have a, a comment. I, I, as um, it's more of a request than than anything, and that is, I'm real. I, w I, I was. I'm one of those who had expected a, a quite different format, but this is fine with me. I mean, I really have gotten a lot, and am very open to where we're going, and I think it's wonderful. But one of the main things I want to go home with is an improved practice, um, particularly with respect to meditation. And yesterday, I made tons of progress. It was wonderful. Thank you all so much, and uh, the whole group. But, uh, and this morning, I, I was immediately kind of taken off guard because I said, you know, I was, uh, I didn't know how the, 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 um, the topic fit into meditation you know, in my own practice. And I heard the term investigation, and I don't know how, how you know, formalized an idea that is within meditation, but it would really be useful to me if, as we move from these different topics, which are, is, if there could be a, an attention in your minds that it, we need to link this to meditation practice, because, and just if there are things that a novice should know, <laughs> uh, that would be really great. And that's all I have. Um, so I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. So, like this morning when we were talking about the three poisons, did that feel like another topic to you? Something separate from meditation? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Use the mic. Use the microphone. Oh, excuse me. Right next to your lips. It, it seemed to me like. Uh, that was uh, very interesting content, you know, that I wasn't familiar with. And then when it came to uh, sitting and thinking about those, I was confused. I didn't know exactly, because I didn't know exactly what they all meant, and I didn't know how to relate it to my experience. Uh -huh. I, did, I did gain a lot, and at the end, I really got some insight. But it, it, would, it would have been, well, a little more guidance in terms of how... Med how to use meditation in this. Okay. I, I mean, you know, and I'm, I, I'm sure that um, uh, most people in the room, 
don't, would would have a, a better idea than that. But I'm I'm, bege I'm a beginner with respect. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> uh, so just it's the piece on that one is what when we one of the skill sets that we learn in meditation practice is being able to observe our experience as it's arising, paying attention on purpose. So we notice that the, mind, the sensations of the body, we notice the feelings in the heart, we notice the activity in the mind, right? We track that experience, if you will. Well, that's really good, and it really helps us to stabilize the mind and sometimes gain some insight into the way those systems work, body, heart, and mind, right? Um, but just learning to track objects or activities of mind won't set us free. What will help liberate us is wisdom, insight into um, uh, how all of this, um, what contributes to our happiness and what doesn't. Yeah. And so when we talked about the three poisons this morning, we were trying to see, show, um, point you to looking and seeing what is it that might cloud your mind when you're doing that looking at those objects and activities, what might be a filter that you're looking through that you might not recognize? And so we want to point you to seeing that filter. Yeah? The filter of demanding that the situation be other than it is, the filter of wanting to push away the experience, or the filter of just not recognizing it, right? The kind of confusion, delusion. So all of it, everything we're doing, is in the service of the development of wisdom. And wisdom gives rise to compassion. Yeah? They're too they go together. Yeah? So um, everything we do is in the service, is grounded in the mindfulness practice, and also in the service of that um, cultivation of wisdom and compassion. Everything we do in this week will be about that. Yeah, and if we don't, if you if there's something, if you don't get it when that's happening, say so. Just like you just did, that was really great. So you really say, I, so don't, we don't have the expectation that everybody should get everything that's being said. Yeah, so say so. Otherwise, we won't know. You know that it's not landing. So we want it to land. We want it to land. Okay, but we are we are definitely opening the sphere of the meditation beyond. Just noticing and labeling things. We're, noticing, we're opening the sphere to include our relationship to things and then our relationship to the world at large. Yeah. And how all of that can be a practice of mindfulness. Okay. Um, I, I'd like to James. also contribute as far as communication. It, it occurs to me to um, just want to put out, put out the Buddha's guidelines for skillful communication as suggestions to keep in mind um, since we're doing using this as a practice experience that uh, he said to say what's truthful what's useful which often he would remain silent uh, because not everything that's the truth for you is useful or can be heard. Um, and to say it basically in a spirit of goodwill, of kindness, doesn't mean 
being nicey-nice, but just a spirit of goodwill so that um, we're, uh, we're, we are creating a, a sense of, of welcoming where different perspectives aren't wrong or aren't to be uh, uh, a contentious kind of a, uh, a, a sharing, but just a, a basic spirit of goodwill. And part of that, another key in, in, in his teaching is to get clear on your intention, if you can, why you're saying what you're saying. Um, is it to be right? Is it to show how smart you are? Is it to, uh, to have greater communication? So I just want to put those out as a, a Dharma framework uh, that you might consider as we're, as we're going into uh, being real with each other. Thank you. I just wanted to ask about, it had to do with what she was asking about, about people's reactions and knowing they're going to be probably feeling very uncomfortable. And um, I pretty kind of stopped sharing or communicating a lot with people, even though I've noticed for a long time now how communicating needs a lot of work for people in general, and I've just, I've tried to focus on it, and yet I don't share much because I know the reaction that I'm gonna get with so much um, that's gone on in my life, and just being human, hearing certain, a lot of things that I have to share, I, I just, I know the response that I'm gonna get. And I don't know, and so then I don't share it, because then it's just kind of going through this dialogue that is has played itself out so many times, and I just know the direction it's gonna go in, and I don't know so I want to almost say preemptively, please don't be sorry or, you know, I don't know what to say so much of the time because I'm so grateful for absolutely everything that's happened and yet um, it's hard to get to that spot. I don't, I don't know how to ask this exactly. I think I hear you. I okay. think I hear what you're saying. And... Of course, you are absolutely in choice at every point. But I think that if we could, if we can, as this community, create a space where we're not jumping in your throat, we're not trying to fix, we're not trying to give you advice, we're, you know, we're actually listening, and if we're overwhelmed, we stop you so that we can catch our breath and keep listening. I think that even with what we've talked about today, that there might be a little, there might be more space in here than you think there is. And I want to challenge you to let us surprise you. Right? I just, and, and you're going to do what you need to do, and there may be somebody who's like, I, you know, that goes right into that rhetoric, but that's not all of us. Do you know what I mean? So I want to challenge you to like, stay open a little bit for the surprise. You may not want to drop your pants all the way down, but... <laughs> You might want to let us, like, you know, show you that we can do something a little different if we're in this group and we pull it together like we're hoping to. Okay? Okay. Thank you for that.
So this is a practice center. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. We're going to practice together. And, you know, well, that's the nature of practice. You stumble and fall. Right? That's why spiritual communities are so important, because they, they actually hold a certain kind of stability so that people can come in and fall apart or make mistakes and trip. This is a practice center, and that's what we're going to do. And, we, you know, we're not, we're not headed toward encounter groups or anything here. We're just trying to see what blocks us from fully showing up in the world and, and offering all of our gifts to the world. And then when we, as we come in contact with that, how do, we, how do we serve the world well? How do we serve the world and how are we served by it? How, we, how, do we, how do we change the world and how are we change by it? That's really what we're trying to look at. And you know, what gets in the way? So this is really good. This is good uh, beginnings. Yeah. All, everything that everybody's been asking for or, or, or speaking to you know, isn't it amazing that we can include all that? <laughs> Got that much room. I mean, it's a big room, right? You know, sometimes when we look around a room like this, we, we see the chairs and the people and the cushions and stuff, but we forget about the space. Forget to notice the space. And when we f- include the space, we start to realize, oh, whatever we can give room to can move. Okay. So, um, one of the things of practice that we, uh, we, we talk about is skillful means. How do we skillfully navigate our lives in the world? How do we navigate? Um, so, one of the things that people have been speaking about here so much is kind of how, how they need to be listened to or how they... I hope to be able to listen. Um, so this is a really simple model that we want to just offer as a skillful means that we can then use in every encounter we have, every dyad, every group, every lunch conversation that we have. Um, so we thought we'd just introduce that now and then we can, we can build on it as we go. So... Um, we could think about listening, first of all, as generosity. Or another way I think about listening is as an act of love. That's how I think of listening, an act of love. It's the shortest distance between two people. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's easy. You know? I remember Thich Nhat Hanh once after the events of 9-11, somebody badgered him with a question about Osama bin Laden. He said, well, suppose it was Osama bin Laden. And he said, oh, I would have to sit down with him and I'd really have to listen. And I would have to say nothing, actually. And it would be really hard, he said. He said, then after he'd finished, I'd have to get up and go away. I thought that was really great of Thich Nhat Hanh to say that. He said, I couldn't say anything then. I'd be too charged. I'd be too, you know, triggered, maybe. So I'd have to go away and settle and stabilize, and then maybe I could go back, and then maybe I would have something of use to say. I thought that was really humble of him to, to answer in that way. So when I think about listening generously, I think about listening from my head, my heart, and my belly, or my head, my heart, and my body. And I get information differently from each of those centers. And when we sit in meditation, 
that's what we do, right? We listen, we sense the body, we feel the heart, we observe the mind. That's what we do. And we begin to see the associations between those three centers. So, um, uh, which is the most important, would you say? What would you say? Heart. Heart, for sure, the heart. How come? It's okay. I haven't figured out an answer. <laughs> uh, it's intuitive to me. Okay. It's just, yeah. All right, that's good. It's plenty, my understanding of plenty where um, the real truth lies for me and with heart. others. Yeah, okay. Great. Anybody else got a different one? That's it? Everybody agrees with that? Oh, behind you. Sorry. Uh, yeah, go there first and then we'll go. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say, no, I wouldn't choose one of them. I would choose the relationship between yeah. them and how it's flowing. Yeah. That just feels more complete to me yeah. than having to make a choice. So. Right, right. But I, I think it's true that that's a more integrated way. <laughs> and we all have our comfort zones. You know, and that's something for us to look at. We got our comfort zones. We got, we got comfortable conversations, but we also got comfortable ways of listening. We could say these are our biases, but I just like to say these are our comfort zones. And some of us are really, really good at listening from the head. We get the story down. We, we can repeat it back. We're great at it. Some of us are really good at listening from the heart. We get the feeling, the affect, and there's a kind of empathetic connection. And some of us, fewer of us, are really good at listening from our bodies paying attention to the somatic cues and various kinds of um, impressions that we get through the body. Yeah. Okay, let's go behind you. you Hang on, we'll get you a mic, because otherwise people can't hear. When you say listening from your body, do you almost mean listening to your gut instinct? Yeah, I'm going to get there. Okay. Not there yet. We'll get there. There's one other hand. Yeah, this woman in the back, yeah, with the glasses. Thank you. Um, I was going to second the heart because it yeah. has the best chance of being kind. Uh-huh. Um, but since then, you've completely blown my mind to think that the others are actually can be as balanced. Yeah. So good. Thank you. Wow. Good. Right. good. You're welcome. Okay, so let's 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 play with these. So um, I'm only if I just want to say if you've developed a capacity. In, to listen from your heart or from your head or from your body, that's really good news. It means, great, you've already got a lot of expertise there, a lot of skill there that you can use. It means also that you can cultivate your capacity to also listen through the other centers. And, and um, so if, let's just talk about them a little bit. So the, let's think about the head center, right? We could call it the thinking center. Um, when we listen from there, we listen for content, we listen to the narrative, we listen to the story. Um, the explanations, the beliefs that people might have. We'd be listening for all of that, right? Uh, so that's what we're listening to, we could say. And what we're listening from is discernment, uh, discrimination, um, curiosity, um, uh, interest. Yeah. So... This, it goes, this, is, this is where it's going to get a little tricky. We're doing this listening in two directions. We're listening in to ourself, like 
like we're doing a meditation practice, that's what we do. We listen in, right? We listen to what are the sensations going on in the body? What are the feelings in the heart? What are the activities in the mind? So we listen in, and then we listen, then we take that same mindfulness and we give it application into the world, and we listen out. Yeah? So when I speak about this, these centers, I'm talking about in both directions. So the first one, head center, right? Thinking center. Second one, heart center, heart center. Okay, we've just been talking about that. That's the feeling center, we could say. So, you know, we listen to feelings, to emotions, to the mood, to um, what's being felt, spoken or unspoken. Right? Um, so that's what we're listening to. We're listening from um, empathy, from attunement, uh, from acceptance or allowing. Yeah. And then there's this third center, the body, a little more confusing for a lot of us. You know, we could call it the sensing center. So we're we're listening to the energetic, you know, the physical cues that we're getting, and we're listening from calm, balance, um, composure, spaciousness. Might be what we're bringing from the body. So these just that's very briefly these three centers. Now each of these centers has a pitfall. And we got to be at least one. Maybe some of them have several. But so the thinking center. So the pitfall in the thinking center is that we easily slip into judgment. I already know. That's the one. That's the, I already know. I know how they're going to respond to this. I already know what they're saying. And before they say it, you know, I know. So we slip into judgment or comparison. That's the pitfall. Pitfall in the heart center is that we get meshed, we get enmeshed with people, we get empathetically overloaded. Yeah. We get joined with them, we get entangled with them, is a better way to say it. The pitfall in the body center is that we get um, caught by our tension or our agitation, or we fall into... Um, Fight, fight, or freeze. Right? Most of the usual ones. Well, I would add another one, which is just simply we don't even notice that the body's there. We just discount it, <laughs> which is what a lot of us do. So if I was listening to you, if I was sitting across from you, I would want to listen from in to all three centers so I know where I am. Like, I haven't let myself go. Right? I'm holding on to myself. So I listen in. I keep 50% of my attention in me. We have this story that good listening is 100% of your attention to the other person. No. You've got to be, there's got to be somebody to listen. So that means I've got to listen in to me and really know where I am moment to moment. What's happening in my body? What's happening in my heart? What's happening in my mind? I've got to be tracking that and knowing what's going on. Otherwise, I'm really not available to the other person. Just part of me is. And then I listen out. I listen to what you're saying. I catch the storyline. I feel the emotional tenor of what you're describing, the affect, and I sense, I look and see what are the kind of what's going on in the body, you know. So each of these centers, so in, in this in head center we cultivate wisdom, we cultivate clarity, brilliance, when we really develop it. In the heart center, we cultivate compassion, empathy, compassion, um, love. In the body center, we cultivate two things in particular. This goes to your question. We cultivate intuition, the gut sense, intuition. 
And we cultivate something else, which is presence. Presence. Not just being present, the quality of presence, which is palpable. And um, that's a body experience. It's felt as a body experience. So imagine if we cultivated our capacity to listen this way, both to ourselves and to others. I mean, imagine how that would shift about 90% of everything else. If we just could listen that way, if we could listen to the world that way, if we could listen to ourselves that way. And you know, it takes some practice, and we're gonna, that's, why we got at, that's why we're at this practice center. We got all week to practice this. So every time we go in a dialogue, we'll practice listening in this way. Listening in, head, heart, body. Listening out, head, heart, body. Yeah. So that's, I just, that's just an overview. Practicing it will be something different. So before we go on, I just want to ask if you've got any thoughts about that or comments or confusions or... Yeah, bring in, James is going to bring in Mike. Thanks. Um, yeah, well, you've got to be close, huh? <laughs> um, I want to ask if, if uh, or see if you'll elaborate on the um, intuition presence part mm-hmm. of body communicating. Yeah. Um, because I think that there's there's real subtle nuances that might trigger maybe my judgment based on memory, trauma, whatever, where I see you're coming at me, I can tell if you're safe or dangerous. Um, but it, I don't want to get too out there, woo-woo, but like there's almost something more than just subtle nuances. There's an energy. Like if you walk into a room blindfolded full of angry people, I believe you can really know that there's a room yeah. full of angry people. Absolutely. Without even seeing it. Yeah. So is that a, a body communication? Is that something? Good that's, question. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's really great what you're saying. I mean, one one of the other pitfalls of the body is that we fall into interpretation. You know, we interpret it through our experience, and we think that's what's going on in the other person. So that's a place where we got to check it out. You know. So I'm having. I realize I'm having this feeling. So I'm working with a client once, and 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 um, and she's telling me something like everything's all okay, but my feet are getting cold. I just noticed that. My feet are getting cold. And I, I'm paying attention to my own feet. I realize it's not cold in the room. And my feet are getting cold. And so I, I said to her, is any of this making you nervous at all? And she said, well, yeah, actually, as you say it, it is. Yeah? So I pay attention to my own body. It's not woo-woo. It's, you know, you got to... So intuition, we, could, we sometimes call it a gut sense. Right? But the gut sense can be off. It can be interpreted. So that's why we need the other centers <clears throat> to sort of bring some balance to it and some clarity to it. And asking the question, of course, is really what's most important. I'm having this sense. I don't know if it's so for you. Yeah, yeah thanks. I think where I get hung up is I'm trying to uh, be a kinder, gentler person. And I notice I'm doubt- I'm, I, I show up kind of doubting my uh, apprehension. You know, I'll, I consider you dangerous before you prove yourself safe. So yeah. um, I forgot what I was going to say about that. Actually, you just said a lot in what you just said. That's a, that's, a, that's a position that a lot of us are in. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to judgment. Now, now I've already kind of got this predisposition, and until you've proven yourself safe, I, I start to go, maybe superficial there, maybe a little dishonest, and I know I'm creating stories about what you're even right. telling me. Right, 
That's you listening in to your head, heart, and body, so you can see that that's what's going on. That's why it's not enough just to listen to the body, or enough just to listen to the heart, or just to the head. You need them to influence each other and to inform each other. Beautiful. That's a really great discovery. Good for you. Way over there on that side of the room, please. Hi, I just wanted to say thank you. I had uh, also thought that this was a silent retreat, and I, when you told us to check into it, I could feel the resistance in there and the pushback. And um, but w- when I hear you talk about what we're doing from the head, it just was like phew, from the heart. I could just feel it opening, and the whole body, you know. And I'd been dealing with this pain in my shoulder yesterday and this morning. I just kept thinking, what is going on? I just need to pay attention to the body. So I was really excited, Pam, when you were talking about the body. And I know when we had briefly met in a group, I had told a little bit about my personal as well. And uh, it just is exciting. It's exactly the work that I want to be doing. <laughs> and I've just exactly landed Good. in the room. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I, you know, I, I want to re-state re, uh, that everything we're doing is based in mindfulness. Okay? All right. So, so this model that I just gave you, it's, you know, it's easy for it to just be a conceptualization, so we have to practice it. Otherwise, it just stays like a, you know, another cool model out there. So w- let's use it every time. <laughs> like, it's basically mindfulness practice listening in, and it's mindfulness practice listening out. That's what we're doing. It's, right? That's basically what the practice is. And we can begin to see, just as we see when we're sitting on the cushion silently, where we get hung up, where, we, where we're not paying attention, you know? where our filters are, our biases are, etc. Okay? So um, the question, you raised the question, what's this investigation stuff? You know? And uh, that's a bigger question than I'm going to prepare to answer right now, but one of the things that we think is complementary to our mindfulness practice is inquiry. Being curious. Just being open-ended curious. Like, wow, let's find out. Yeah? So I think of awareness as a kind of openness infused with curiosity, infused with um, uh, interest. So what's it like to inquire in an open-ended way that's not um, fixed on a goal? but just all about discovery. So um, this inquiry practice that we want, we'll, 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 we'll use many inquiry practices, but the one we're going to demonstrate now, some of you have already done with us before, but others haven't, so we'll say it again. It's just an open-ended inquiry. It's not about um, how do I come to the answer. It's more what can I discover, what can I uncover, what, can, what will I allow to unfold and show itself to me. And um, we do that by being very, very mindful in a relational exchange. (coughs) So we started out talking about embodiment. And so we really want to look at the body and what it is that gets in the way of us being embodied. And also, what's it feel like when we are embodied? So we want to do a little inquiry into that. And Pam and I will demonstrate uh, just very briefly how we... uh, how we want to do that. 
We'll do it. Some of you have done it with us before. We, a lot of traditions use it, a kind of repeating question. And so what happens is Pam will ask me a question, and then I'll answer. And I'll try and answer spontaneously. I won't, that doesn't mean fast. It just means in an uncensored way. And I could just tell her everything I already know, but that won't be very interesting. I already know that, right? I'm more interested in discovering something I don't know yet. So that means it'd be really helpful if I stay fairly present in the moment and attentive to my body, my heart, and my mind. And I let my answers come from each of those centers. Um, after I answer, Pam will say, thank you. And then she'll ask me the very same question again. And I get a wholly fresh look at it, like I never heard it before, this question. And the beautiful thing about Pam's thank you is that it sends the message that anything's okay. You can say anything. And there's room for it. Whatever we can give space to can move. Yeah. So rather than me uh, trying to persuade Pam of something, or it's not really about Pam. She's just witnessing it. She's just an incredibly present witness. You remember those old, like, sea hunt television shows where the guys used to go under the water with those big metal helmets, you know, and somebody would be on, on the deck, you know, rolling out the oxygen hose? Well, she's on the deck. She's attending very carefully to the oxygen hose, and when, because she's so present with me, it enables me to go deeper, to discover more. Yeah? So it's her presence that's actually the, her gift to me. Not her, um, she's not interrupting, she's not giving me any advice, she's not approving or disapproving. I don't need her approval or disapproval. This is my inquiry. Yeah? I just need her presence. So you're not nodding your head, yeah, I do that too. You're just here. And the person's free to really explore in a context of kindness, yeah? openness. So uh, let's try it. So we face each other. And that's really important that you face one another, not side to side. And um, you both get grounded. Feel yourself in your body. And take some time. Don't be, a, don't be in a rush. You know, don't start until you feel like you're in your body. And Pam's going to ask me a simple question. She's going to say, tell me something that blocks your being present in your body. Tell me something that blocks your being present in your body. That's her question. She's not going to change it and adapt it because she likes a different question. She's just going to do that question. Yeah? And I'm going to respond as best I can. And I'm going to respond by sensing the body, feeling the heart, observing the mind. Okay? Sensing, feeling, observing. Okay. Tell me something that blocks your being present in your body. Oh, I mean, the very immediate thing came of how I sometimes endure pain. Like I learned that in my practice coming up. I endure it. I don't open to it sometimes. I have this idea that if I endure it, you know, I can keep it contained in some way. Thank you. Tell me something that blocks your being in your body. Yeah, I mean, I, 
you know, my mind has got so many strategies about who I think I should be. And, uh, you know, sometimes who my, what my body is doesn't fit in one of those strategies, so I override it. I override it with my idea of who I think I should be. Thank you. Tell me something that blocks your being present in your body. So as you're asking, I'm kind of sensing into my body because I, I realized that when I gave you these answers, I started to feel sad that I do that. And so right now I'm actually sensing my body. It's kind of, I can feel it trembling in it. I can feel its um, tenderness, my tender relationship with it actually. Um, Right now I actually feel more present in my body. Thank you. One more. One more. Tell me something that blocks your being present in your body. Shame. Shame. Like, uh, I can get, I can start to sense into it and I feel the feeling of shame comes up so much that I don't want to feel any more of it. Or I get, I get entangled with the feeling, the feeling and I stop feeling the body. I just feel the emotional f flavor and it's like it's got no place to land in a way. It's, uh, uh, it, and so it can, it can kind of overwhelm me. And sometimes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, you get it? So it has to do with how you, how, it's not about being self-revealing, it's not trying to convince the other person of anything. It's just what's true for you. And every time you say what's true, more truth can reveal itself. That's all. Yes, what was it? No, sometimes my, sometimes my eyes were, but I actually think it's, I would encourage you to, if you need to close them, please do. But as the listener, keep your eyes open. And if you're a responder, you might sometimes need to close them. But, you know, keep it relational. There's something about the relational field here of someone else's presence that will help you in your discovery. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do it when we get into. Um, so, okay, time to find a partner. Just for the exercise, don't worry. It's just for the exercise. As Vinny says, you're not buying land. <laughs> so find a partner and sit opposite her or him. If you don't have a partner, raise your hand and look around for how many with a raised hand. Are we done with this? No. Yeah. Are we done with the recording? Yes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.